Welcome to Business Whip Podcast. Join business consultant Kyle Lohm and business personal credit expert Gene Davis as they share their perspectives to build your business. Both share a passion of helping business owners and entrepreneurs become better. Here are your hosts, Kyle Lohm and Gene Davis. Welcome to the episode on the four economic resources. We're on number three, capital. But we went over land, labor, and now today, capital. Good morning, Kyle. Morning, Gene. Hey, I'm excited over this one. It's always been drilled in my head over the years of, you know, without uh, a company generating money, you basically don't have a company, so there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> so it is about money. It doesn't have any value. Maybe it doesn't generate any money. <laughs> no, you really don't. <laughs> you might as well just pack your bags up and go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're not if you're not making money, you're going in the hole every month. You can only do that for so long. Yeah, you're right. You do still have a company. But it ain't helping. <laughs> yeah. Unless you decided to have a company that's just always losing money, that's kind of silly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's your goal. That's your top number that you got projected for the year, the month, day, you break it down. That's a good way to keep track of it. It's one yeah, one thing. Then you have job costing. You've got to take make sure that you have control over that. that you're actually seeing where is your money being spent in each of your different company organizations, such as administration, marketing, production, what you've allocated for each of those. And are you staying within budget? Are you coming in on your job costing? Everybody's different so that if you're selling a product or a service, you still got to come in on budget though. You want to make sure that you're making money. <laughs> and then are they establishing relationships with brokers and bankers and do they have a savings account? Are they, what are they doing? Are they, do they have business credit, they have business funding? Is everyone keen on what the top dollar number is, making it visible? That's, that's big because a lot of people don't let everyone in the company know that. And I think that's a lot of people's downfall. I think everyone within the company should know that, hey, our goal this month is, you know, whatever your goal is. If you want to make a million dollars in a year, break it down each month. That's 83,333.33 each month, unless you have, unless you know where your months are higher and lower. So everyone should be aware of where, what your goal is and everyone should be aware of where your monies are at each day, each week, each month, closer you get, are you going to hit your goal? And if so, then that's cool because now people, if you're, if you're like 20,000 shy of your hitting your goal and you got a week left and it's still doable and everyone focuses on that and then they want to make bonus, you know, they want to get rewarded for a hitting goal, whatever incentives you have within your company, it's all wrapped around money. <laughs> that's why we're in business. Without money, there's no company, basically. So what do you think? I mean, that's that's even like job costing. If it's a construction company, are you coming in on each job at whatever percent that you want to make? Are you wanting to make, you know, 20%, 40%? You know, what what is it that you're, where are you wanting to come in at? You've got to set that. I would say like for construction, a general rule of thumb is coming in at 44%. That's that's a good, good solid number. The rest of it's all cost, labor and all that. Sometimes people, if they're just general lingot, like let's say they have subcontractors, but they're GC in the a project. Well, then maybe they want to make 10% profit and 10% overhead. So then they need to be making 20% and everything else goes to the job of materials and subcontractor. Just depends on where you're, where you're at. And you can subcontract any portion. You know, it could be anything from virtual secretaries on down to your own physical labor people that are working with you. <laughs> Yeah. So I was thinking about this, the word capital. My company is called Parity Capital. And I mostly named it 
that way because it was sounded better than parity finance or parity financial. To me, my company, it was more about parity, right? Like balance. Right. Managing your expenses and your capital to have balance in the sense like a lot of people in financial planning, they, everyone, or like it's not everyone, but a lot of times you hear people want work-life balance. Yeah. They don't want to have too much work. They still want to have a life. Or some people are just li very little work and a whole lot of life. So having the right balance and that's why parity. I didn't I like really that. think that sounds about good. the meaning of capital, like the actual meaning of the word. When I think of capital, I think money, finance, assets, essentially. Yes, absolutely. Anything to do with your building, your equipment. Cash in your bank, the cash under your mattress, you know, wherever you're keeping money and assets. Absolutely. That's, I think of that too. And capital, I just think dollar sign is what I think. Whenever I hear capital, I think dollar sign. <laughs> yeah. So. so I actually Googled it to find out the actual definition. And capital is wealth in the form of money or asset that are available and can be contributed for a particular purpose, such as for a company or investing. When I think of the word capital, I think of it as something you already have, but I, I never thought of the actual, what the definition says is where you use it for a purpose. And that's funny because when I talk about finances and I talk about saving and investing, because you save and invest so that eventually one day you can spend. That's the purpose of saving and investing because to just save and invest, you got to do it so that you can feel good and have less stress financially. But at the same time, to only save and invest, it's kind of greedy. But and at the same time, in a good I way, though, like in a good way. Yeah, in a good way, though. So, you know, people sometimes, you've always heard, you know, this, this thing of, oh, money's the root of all evil. Well, I disagree with that comment. I think money is the root of all happiness. As long as you're doing it correctly, <laughs> you don't have to be greedy. You don't have to be, it, it kind of is, but it kind of isn't. It's in a good way though. You know, you want to have that drive that keeps money's coming in and have that greed to make your company wealthy so that you can be wealthy, so that you can help others or whatever you want to do with it. For me, take care of me, myself, my family. And then at that point I can spread out the wealth to others, less fortunate or whatever you want to do with it. But without money, you can't do nothing, man. <laughs> Rely on somebody else to provide for you. No, that don't work. <laughs> uh, life is definitely better with money, for sure. I don't think anyone could disagree with that. I have seen it, and I think that's where, I don't want to say a lot of people, but I know, I think a lot of times when you have a certain amount of money and people feel like they have a level of success, money can change a person or change it. And I think if you've lived long enough and you've seen people become successful, whether in your work or if it was you have a successful business and you have an employee or someone that's kind of come up in the ranks, sometimes that power, because obviously you're making more money, you probably have a better title, you're maybe managing more things, so you have more influence. And when you have influence and power and you have money, a lot of times people, it, it changes people. That's it can, it, it can. I've seen that happen. I, I call it the green eyed monster. When something goes against your core value. So always, you got to always keep your core values. 
just because you have money doesn't mean you have to change your core values. Forget where you came from. Exactly. So if your core values are messed up, well, then maybe you get to reevaluate your core values. However, money's not the cause of that. That's, that's just you allowing things to get in the way of whatever you originally set out with your core values. You know, if you don't have a core value set, I would set it before you get money. Know what you want, know what you desire. Get that first before you have money because money will come. And if you don't have your core values set in, then that's when the green eyed monster gets you and then it changes personalities. Yeah, it can screw up families. It can screw up all kinds of things. I've seen that happen. And just like what you're saying. Yeah. So a few things that I think about after I read the definition of capital and using capital for purpose of using it for your company and or investing it. Some of the things that come to mind is a rate of return. You should have expectations. A lot of people, they just think of money or their capital. I had a conversation with a guy last week. He inherited some money, like little over a hundred grand. And he came to me because he was asking me, oh, should I buy into some Dairy Queen franchise with another friend or basically where to deploy the capital ideas, where to either put it in a company or invested and, and ask you know, what kind of rate of return do you want? And he didn't know, right? What kind of return on the investment are you expecting? Had no, I, no idea. What is the time frame that you want it in, you, you know, those rates of return? Had no clue. That's a big factor. You definitely got to know what you expect from that money or what you expect to get from your company to create the money so that you can have whatever that is. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely have to have those goals or those plans. I, I always call it plan. I come from the construction background and we always were drilled on goals and plans, making plan. What are you, you know, are you making plan this month? Are you making your goal this month? And I like to have it visible for the whole company to see. In your head, you might think, oh, why do I want my employees to know what I'm making? Well, it's good. Good question. The question, the answer to that would be because they can help you obtain that goal that, which you are getting. That's why you have employees. And so they need to know what that goal is so they can help you get your goal. It gives all kinds of other things. It gives job security. It gives job bonuses. If you hit plan, you can give bonus out and all kinds of things. You can do some really creative incentives with that. You do have to let everyone in the company, is my opinion, you have to let everyone in the company know what your goal is for that year and then break it down into a month and then break it down into days. Let's say that you have a goal to make a million dollars. And if you want to break it down into 12 months, that's $83,333.33 each month. So you would want that as your top number, hitting your top number. And then each month you need to hit or you should be hitting your top dollar or exceeding it. And the employees in your company, including yourself, need to know where you're at every single day. I used to draw a thermometer on the whiteboard, have a thermometer and each day would count up how much money was coming in. Now, the cool thing about that is maybe the first 10 days, you don't hardly have anything coming in because maybe it's a bigger job and it takes 10 or 15 days to complete. Maybe it takes all month to complete or whatever. So then you get a big chunk, zero on the first day, fifth day, maybe there's $500. And then on the 15th, all of a sudden you have $45,000 and you're like, yeah, we're halfway in there. We're almost there. You know, and so it motivates people as well. And it keeps everyone in line. And it also helps you with your budget in your three categories of administration, marketing, and production. That's how I like to break up most companies. Every company is different. However, I would say most companies, you can break it down into those three categories. Is your administration hitting their budget? 
Is your marketing staying within their budget? And is your production staying in their budget, job costing, all that fun stuff. And so when you're doing that and you're showing, you're hitting your goals and you're reaching it, man, everyone gets excited and it's fun to see that. What I seen happen a lot of times is you'd get down to, if we're going to hit our goal, then they get bonuses. So they may get, you know, a $5,000 bonus or a $1,000 bonus or a $500 bonus. However you structured it, when you hit your goal, you get that. So at 75,000 and you still have three days left, it's doable. You can still add it. And everyone just focuses in on it. And bam, everyone hits it because they want their incentive too. So it's a win, 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 win all the way around. I like to see that. It, it's, it's cool. Another thing, when I think of capital, I also think of how am I with my business relationships with a banker or a broker, somebody that can get you business credit and business funds, or even just keeping track of your own little account within the bank? You know, do you have a good relationship with that banker? You want to. If not, you're going to want to establish one. You're going to want to do that because you never know when that relationship will do you some good. So I always like to have that. Just same with like, you, you, you know, you want to have a good relationship with an attorney. You want to have a good relationship with your CPA. Uh, you want to have a good relationship with your accounting. If you're not doing your own accounting, then you need to have your accountant, whoever that is, giving you daily, weekly, monthly reports. And I don't like it. I've seen this happen where the company will turn everything in at the end of the month and then they'll get an accounting report once a month. Well, that doesn't help you throughout the whole month. You don't know where you're at. Personally, I feel that you should have a daily accountability of what's going on. Then you have more control over your company, over your capital, over your cash, over your assets, over everything. And then when somebody comes to you and says, hey, I've got this great idea that'll boost your company. You know, it's, it's a really neat, it's kind of the edge marketing thing. It's only $5,000. Then you look at your budget. Well, I don't have 5,000 allocated for that. So I cannot do it. Maybe next year we'll budget that in. And it really makes it easy to tell people no to the things that you don't have planned. I like to be in control over your capital all the time. That's, like I said, with no money, in my opinion, you don't really have a company. You're nothing solid to stand on. Capital is huge. Making sure that you control that economic resource of capital. You definitely want to be careful of that. You want to make sure that you have your savings, your, your job costing, your, your business credit, your business funding. You know, what are you doing? That rate of return, that ROI, like Kyle was saying. What are you doing? When do you expect to have that? How do you expect to have that? And, and that's something that's really simple for you to do. And that's based off of your top number or your goal for that month. Do you have the right contracts in place? This then boils down to simple things. Do you have work authorizations? Do you have master job plans that your employees are signing off on and that your customers are signing off on as you're going through? If it's a large job and it's going to take you months to complete. Are your employees, are your managers, are your customers signing off as you complete certain tasks throughout the month? Let's say you did a fire restoration job and you're restoring half of a house that got burnt down. So you may not get all the money up front. You may have to upfront some of that money because it's insurance work. So are you splitting those up into reasonable, controllable amounts that you can see what's happening? And are you staying within your job cost? I like to also look at, does your company work off of employees or subcontract? As an employee, if you're a contractor and you're doing most of the labor and, and doing it in-house, you're going to want to stay somewhere around 40 
to 44% for job costs. If you're subcontracting, it may be different. You may have a, maybe I'm GC in it, uh, general contracting it, and I'm going to only make 10% profit and 10% overhead, and I'm not doing anything other than just follow up, making sure the job gets done. So now I'm going to make 20% on it. What is it that you set your rate of return? What is it that you want? Just like Kyle was saying, this guy didn't even know what he wanted. He didn't know how long it would take. You better dang well know that's silly not to. And if you don't, then you, you reach out to people like Kyle or myself and get some advice, get some support. Maybe you need to hire a coach. Maybe you need somebody to kick you in the butt to keep you going, you know? So it's always good to have an influence of greater minds surrounded around you than just your own. So I, I like to have that. And good coaching, good mastermind groups, banker, your accountant, your attorney, all these people, good friends, your sphere of influence, those that are really wanting to help you, not hurt you. Because I've also seen that when you start making money, You'll lose some friends and they'll be jealous of, oh, you're making all this money and you're leaving us behind. Well, your friends sometimes do change because birds of a feather flock together. And if they're taking you down, you don't want to be on that boat. You don't want to sink. You want to float and rise and speed away. (laughs) I just like to look at everything in a whole and making sure that the whole company is being successful. And that's that asset of capital. Wherever that is, whether it's in stocks or whether it's in savings accounts or whether it's in cash or whether it's in vehicles or equipment or whatever it is, are you controlling that? Are you taking care of that capital? Is that economic resource giving you the rate of return that you determine, that you want, that you desire? Capital does <laughs> go to um, like a lot of other things too, the buildings, the equipment, software. And one thing too, like acquisition costs. I. Yes. My world, because it's I'm a service business. Ours is I call it the CAC, the client acquisition cost. So yep. when you're spending money, or a lot of people think they're spending, especially when they're hiring employees. But I look at it as an investment. It's adding more time in my day and to accumulate more sales. And you can use it when you're staffing. You can use it when you're in your marketing. So, but you have to know the number that you need or you want to make every, mine's per hour. Um, oh, there you go. You break it down even more. So yeah, that's good. I break it down per hour and how much I need to charge and make per hour and how many clients I need. And that will produce a certain amount of capital. And then earlier we talked about the relationships, like the centers of influences and things. So I heard this from something else, another podcast I was listening to. And I, I like it, like it resonated with it. And they called them thinking partners. Thinking and, partners. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. So that's been something that I've been working a lot on. And I'd say probably in the last like six weeks, I feel like I've been meeting quite a bit of people that they have ideas and things in their mind about capital. I had a lady, she wanted to buy a a piece of land. And on that piece of land, her goal was in three years to build a home. She wanted to just talk out if that's a good idea or not to someone, but she doesn't have an influence of people that either has knowledge about those kind of things. And so she was referred to me by someone else. And that lady that referred her said, you, you have to call Kyle, just talk to him. And a lot of times they're reluctant. They're afraid. A lot of times people are afraid to talk about their capital ideas. Well, it's because you don't know what you don't know. 
So you don't know sometimes what questions to ask, or you're like, oh, is this person going to take my idea and do it for themselves? That's some of the things that yeah. I see. To me, I maybe because I'm in the money business and all my conversations usually a lot of times are around capital. If I have a question about loans and credit or anything, I won't sit here and just stew over it. I'll text Gene or I call Gene and hey Gene, what do you think about this? I, it doesn't make sense to me that you have these ideas of what to do with your capital and or what to do with the capital you use, but they're afraid to talk to someone about it. Even if you don't know what you don't know, there's ideas. Right. You have to get those ideas out of your head and, and either write them down and show them to somebody or verbalize them to somebody to support you in making a better decision, especially when you're not familiar with it. Reach out to an expert that is familiar with something that you have a question on. Yeah, you shouldn't be afraid at all. You should be like, here's all my cards, lay them out on the table. What do you think, Kyle? And sometimes just talking to someone, whether or not they're an expert or they have experience in it, sometimes just talking it out loud and hearing yourself talk about it and the way that makes you feel, a lot of times they just say, yeah, I'm not doing that. That doesn't sound right. And I'm like, yeah, it, it doesn't. One, you don't sound like you're that excited about it. And two, it sounds like a lot of work versus you could just go buy a house and the area and not worry about the licenses and the contract. Why do you want to do all of that? It's different if it's in a place where there's no houses and it's just or like it's a, a ton of land. And yeah, or it's a special specialized house yeah. that you're building for special something, right? So, uh, you know, some of those multi-million dollar homes, you're not just going to be finding that in a little small community. You're going to be, you know, in a nice area where you're going to have a lot of land and you're going to develop whatever it is that you want to do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If it's just a small piece, parcel of land and you're going to build a, a spec home on it, well, unless you're a general contractor or unless you have the idea of trying to general contract it yourself it's not and, fun. and making some money, there's a lot of work and effort into doing it. And there's a big learning curve. If you're not in that field, it's not really going to be worth your time and effort. My suggestion would be hire somebody that understands it to do it for you. Or like Kyle said, maybe just buy a, a different home, the one that's close to what you kind of want. You know, that's the other thing. Know what you want. You know, who's the one with three rooms or four bedrooms? Do I want a two baths, three baths? You know, what is it that I want? You, know, you can always add a pool if there's enough yard, you know? So if you're like hung on to, onto that and have a pool or a spa or something like that, well, buy enough property, you know, a house that's on enough property that you can have somebody come in and put in a pool for you. I mean, whatever, but have that in your mind of what it is. Cause yeah, if you're going to purchase just a piece of property and sit on it for three years, to me, that's not a great investment unless you're in the business when of buying property and sitting to, on it and selling it later. Yeah. And you, even if it's paid off, you have to pay the taxes, there's maintenance. So just talking her through it for 15 minutes, it made her feel so much better. And she was clear because she's been thinking about this every day for like a month. And I was like, really? And it took her this long to call me. And she, she was like, I should have called you at the beginning. And I, I wouldn't have been thinking about all of this for so long. And I say, yeah, but people are afraid. So everyone needs to have a thinking partner. For me, I, I have a couple. I have my wife and I have some really good friends. I have my dad and I have a lot of people around me that are experts in a lot of things. So whenever I have an idea, 
and I can't think through it. I don't stew on it for weeks, maybe a few days. And then if I can't figure it out, then I just make a phone call and I talk to them for a few minutes and we move on. One thing I will caution on that, I agree with what Kyle said. However, if you're looking at, I'll give you an example, because this happens all the time in the credit field. So people are like, for their personal credit, you know, everyone's an expert out there nowadays. It's just, and none of them know nothing. So it's kind of funny to me. So somebody will be like, oh, my dad or my mom or my aunt or my uncle said, I should not do this, 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 and this. And I'm like, well, that's the opposite of what you should be doing. You should actually be doing this, 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 and this to fix your credit. So make sure that when you're talking to somebody, you don't get the wrong advice. That's all I'm saying is there, there's a lot of people that, I'll give you an example. My sister, she'd be great to talk to about something other than capital. Maybe something about how to cook or how to manage a, a home or something like on those lines or how to even talk to people. But for capital, no, you, you would be getting the wrong advice. So make sure that you know when you're talking to whoever that is that you're talking to, they are either knowledgeable in that field or will point you to the right direction of just listening and going, oh, that kind of logically makes sense. However, maybe you should reach out to this expert, talk to them. That's what I'd caution on. Just make sure that you're getting the right advice because some people, I mean, everyone likes to talk. Everyone likes to give their opinion about something. And sometimes their opinions are just that. Their opinions are not very solid. They're not very good. Whereas somebody else's opinion or expertise in it, like if I was going to invest, I wouldn't go, Hmm, I'm going to go talk to the baker because uh, I really like how he cooks these donuts. These donuts are the best donuts ever. I'm going to go talk to him about where I should invest this $100,000 I just got. No, it'd be better for me to go, hey, Kyle, I just inherited this $100,000. Here's what I'm thinking of where I don't even know what to do with it. What do you think? So make sure you go to the right people. Make sure your sphere of influence or your thinking partners, I like that, your thinking partners have your best interest at stake, that they're not going to lead you in a wrong way. And if they don't know, I hope that they have the balls to say, hey, I don't know. You should maybe reach out to Frankie. Frankie just, knows. You have to just be careful and be aware of who you're talking to because they might have biases. There's yes. reason why they're telling you no. Either they don't have experience in it or they had a bad experience. And on the flip side, they could be telling you go for it when you maybe shouldn't be because they have some good experiences or they have some knowledge and things that you don't have yet or resources that you don't have. And so they're cheering you on, but you should kind of be cautious because maybe you're not ready. You definitely have to, you listen, and then you have to play devil's advocate why I shouldn't or should do the opposite of what they're saying. If someone says you shouldn't do it, then you say, why should I do it? And why shouldn't I do it? Yeah. What's the, what's the pros? What's the cons? Maybe even write it down on a sheet. My dad taught me that years ago. When you don't know something, or you're not sure of, you're having a hard decision of either doing it here or here, write down all the pros and all the cons for that area think, that you're also having. Think about that person. Are they coming from any biases and personal experiences that you don't have? That's why they're giving you that advice. So to sum up capital, and I was thinking about in my world, capital gains and capital losses. Yes, and, absolutely. And the different and so and thirty one exchanges. I mean, all kinds of things. All of I mean, those things go on and but on and on. Think about that. The difference between money and capital. Money is something that you spend, 
And capital is something that is, capital is, I say, money or assets that you put to work. There's a reason why it's called capital gains and capital losses and not money losses and money gains. Because to have a capital gain or a capital loss, you had to invest the money and either make money or lose money. So you had to put that money to work. So remember that, that capital is about- Yeah, it is- it encumbers everything. Yeah. But there's there's human capital, there's the tangible assets like the machines, the land, the buildings. Obviously, there's the financial capital like cash and just money and or anything that can be put into cash. And I know for some, there's a branding where you can trademark and you can copyright certain things. The non-tangible and the perceived value of the brands. Those are all ways to use your capital. And then you got to have a plan and a goal. What kind of rate of return? What is the return on the investment? What is the time frame that you want those things to happen? And you have to have an eye on the finances, whether it's having a budget and forecasting for certain expenses. And like Gene said, knowing your administration, your marketing, your production, job costing, client acquisition costs, the CAC. And I especially like what Gene said, having accountability to your capital, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly. And for mine, the CAC, even it's knowing what it is per hour that you should be making. And then Having your center of influence, whether it's a coach, a therapist, I think some people might be a therapist, depending on the time you're going through, and just a more relaxed thinking partner, someone that you know and trust that you can talk to. Maybe they don't have the experience and the knowledge, but maybe they know you pretty well and they can just be that good listener and someone to bounce things off. I think if you have those things, your capital will be pretty efficient. Yeah, absolutely. You will do well with the capital and you'll have a lot of wealth. You'll live a healthy life and have a healthy business. But more importantly, when your capital is good, you're inspired, you have a lot of good energy and you're living your purpose. And For sure. And then the other thing with capital too, is make sure that on your company, we've talked about having business credit so that you can get business funds. Business funds are capital. So you want to make oh. sure that you have that all tied in to a plan of attack for whatever it is that you're going to be doing in your business. So make sure that you're setting yourself up correctly because having business credit takes time to establish and takes time to do. It's not something that can just be done overnight. However, it's not rocket science. It's easy and it's affordable and it's the best way to get capital or assets when you need them is to be able to have your business credit established to where you can go ahead and get that business funding when something should arise when you need it. Oh yeah, 100%. When you're thinking capital, you have to have that business credit because, I mean, you're not going to get business credit to just have cash sit in the bank. It arrives. Business credit. Because you have something to invest in. You have either it's investing in your business so you can grow to that multiple that you need to, you want to get to. I mean, business credit, that's a no-brainer when it comes to capital. Because that's all about leverage and investing and making money and growing and, and having you invest the capital so you can have more capital. Yes. That's, yeah. And OP OPM is great. Other people's, Other people's money. money. <laughs> For sure.
Yeah. Use other people's money and don't count other people's money. That's what I try to teach a lot of people is OPM because everybody always likes to watch what other people doing and what other people, other people's money. And that's it. I always have to tell them, you, you should focus on yourself. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Other people's money, you should be focused on your own money. So keep whipping it into shape and we appreciate you listening. Whip it. <laughs> Thanks, you guys.